0: The Big Late Presents
1: Hello I'm Sean McDonald you're listening to Blevert and my guest is RT Josh the head of marketing and communications for df concerts the other people who brought you tea in the park transmit and countless other concerts and music events she's also worked in pr with some of scotland's biggest companies gaining a solid reputation both professionally and personally arty is scottish indian and while being as scottish as she could possibly be she also has a very rich cultural heritage of which she's rightly proud. We talk about what it was like to grow up with a different cultural background to the so-called norm and experiencing racism in different forms. take us into some detail about her interesting career history and how she ended up doing what she does. And we talk about the difference between being busy and being successful in what you do, in addition to loads more. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you do, feel free to share this episode. And if you're feeling generous, maybe leave a rating as well. Cheers. So, Arty Joshi, you're the Head of Marketing and Communications for DF Concerts, so many other things, but that's not how we define you. So let's go back to your early life. Did, was it Midlothian that you grew up in, am I right in saying that?
2: Yeah, Right. Beautiful Bonarig. Uh,
1: and I mean, what was life like, obviously, if you look at... Well, you, you can tell me.
2: What was life like? Um, so my dad is an ex-copper and I'm the daughter of a cop, so you can probably navigate from there what my life was like when I was young. <laughs> it consisted of a lot of um, coming in, steaming, and uh, before I was 18. And he would be sat, like we had this, um, this like big smoking chair like high back chair and it would be dark, right? So I'd be like rattling my keys in the door and then I would walk in the door and the light would just go on, like the wee, the wee lamp and he would just be sat in his chair like for 30 minutes late. And I'd be like, oh my God. So like my full life was basically trying to navigate my dad and where he was and how I could avoid him. Um, He pulled me out of a hedge once when I was at school because I went shop that had like baked potatoes and apparently it was like a drugs den. And he was like, you can't go there. So I would go down there at lunchtime and I saw him in his police car because I think about six months, he was stationed in Bonnareg, right. Um, which was horrific, horrific at 16 years old when your dad is a police and is outside everywhere that you go. Um, and I had like gone at the shop basically I just ran away from him and ran into this hedge. And uh, I remember being pulled out by my feet and basically being told that like, I was grounded for like three months or something. But yeah, child, my childhood was weird, lovely, like... I grew up, I've got a really big family, so they were all kind of roundabout and uh, loads of cousins. Um, So it was quite strange because obviously like I'm Indian, I'm Scottish Indian, Mm -hmm. so a lot of it was navigating like what was happening at home and my family are like a real mixed bag of types of people, like always felt a bit like an Indian mafia, they all kind of lived like really close by and like my uncles had a shop, obviously. Um... And yeah, it was just, you know, it was a lot of fun, man. Like, it was really, really good fun. I had a good childhood. I was lucky.
1: Mm-hmm. What kind of period would that have been in? Because obviously, like, Scottish society is constantly evolving. And if we even cast back, like, 10 years, it can mm-hmm. kind of seem like the dark ages. I don't want to go down just a predictable question of, did you get racism? Like, <laughs> But you, you would have, wouldn't you? And yeah. I'm yeah. quite keen to hear about that because I don't, ex- other than, so I'm quite tanned Mm-hmm. the only th- i mean I as, a, <laughs> I, I, as a as a wee guy and i'm not using these words gratuitously but i'd get called packy darky and really? i'd be like fucking hell like lads mm-hmm. i'm white scottish okay. so and it hurt me mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. i knew i was like well i'm i'm not what you're calling okay. me or what you're trying okay. to label at me i mean what were your kind of experiences with that growing up
2: it's it's weird john because like until about three or four weeks ago or a little bit longer, like with the Black Lives Matter movement stuff. I think I've had this weird thing where, like, I repressed quite a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and acted as if nothing had ever happened and my colour was never a problem.
1: Is that like a is that like a defence mechanism yeah. of I'm not any different?
2: I think it definitely is. I mean, until I, I was five, I thought I was white, mm. so I decided that. I, I mean, genuinely, like, <laughs> it's hilarious, right? So, like. I thought I was white like I, I don't know how this happened in my head but like when I was at school I remember my mum coming to pick me up and she'd been at my granny's funeral and like there was like a funeral for Indian people's like 75 million days mm-hmm. long right and um she'd been on one of the days like helping make food or whatever she came to the school to pick me up I think like I must have been about six or seven right and um She came in, she would always have like Scottish clothes, Western clothes on. She came in in her sari and I was like, oh my God, like apparently this is what I said, I don't remember. Oh my God, I can't believe like you, what are you doing? Everyone will know I'm different. And my mum was so tired and this is like, so not the way she is, right? She was just like, oh my God, look in the mirror. And it was like, it was almost like that snap moment that I was like, oh, right. Mm -hmm. So I'm different then. And from there on, like, there are things that I remember, like, being chased by a bunch of wee guys in the park when I was out with my auntie. Um And, like, my family are from Kenya. So, like, my mum and dad grew up in Kenya. but They're Indian, right? So, and used to get, like, they were shouting, like, oh, here come the Kenyans, like, and, like, just, it was just horrendous. Like, Yeah. but it's funny how you just, like, you almost try to forget that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in the entirety of my life, like, I've generally been lucky and I've been questioning the use of the word lucky quite a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Like, because I don't think it's good to say that you're lucky because you've not had violence against you or because, like, it hasn't happened often enough to change you as a person. Yeah, you
1: know? I get what you mean. Do you mean as if saying, like, oh, well, I only had a certain non-violent type of abuse uh-huh. that scarred yeah. me and I've had to repress yeah. it. I mean, it could yeah. have been worse. Yeah, Um. I mean, I... I understand that. I kind of say I relate to it, which mm-hmm. which I, I suppose I'm the lucky one then, because yeah, that that's that's brutal.
2: But it's like I don't know. Like I think part of like my dad always used to say things to me, like what whatever like hardship comes your way, like that will you know that will make you a stronger person or whatever. And I definitely think that I. I mean, I'm a gobby baby. Can I swear?
1: I say say whatever the I'm fuck a, you want. I'm a go baby
2: bitch. <laughs> so like. <laughs> I have found myself in situations like I remember being at uni in Aberdeen and like a guy in a white van <laughs> drove past me um, called me a wog right and I instead of being like just keep walking, shut your mouth right, I walked up to the guy and I was like and what part of it is that you think that I'm an oriental, western oriental gentleman and the guy was just like it was like he did not know what to do, he just mm. rolled his window up and drove away but I don't
1: what know that's safe. What is it about white fans that I make know, people think they're either invisible like. or impenetrable or irresistible to women? Like, it's just qu- question, answers on the back of a postcard. Has anybody ever been walking down the street to some fat guy in a white vans beeping the horn and shouting and went, Hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> by the way wet floor sign for me right open the door let me in I always like, no
2: just wait a minute like oh my god let me leave my boyfriend we, like, I know. get into your van let us go <laughs> why,
1: f- thanks very much for saying that <laughs> to me cheers anything else you want to critique me on you fucking it's just
2: bizarre but yeah i do i don't know and i still am like this i sometimes put myself in situations that most smart people probably mm. wouldn't walk into do you know what i mean
1: yeah i get you but then again why why should you like if somebody shouted something at me and I said something back and then I explained the story to somebody, I feel like it would be like, good for you, to stand up for yourself. And then I feel like there will be occasions where, quote unquote, somebody like you mm-hmm. might retell the same story and it would be, well, you know, you should really just avoid that type of thing. Like, why should you? Yeah, true. Why should you? True.
2: And actually, to be fair, so far. No one stabbed me, so I'm <laughs> all right. <laughs> I've been chased.
1: I really hope you'll get stabbed soon because I'm going to feel like I'm part responsible for you bringing that about.
2: you definitely
1: invited to stabbing I know. me. <laughs> uh, <sighs> I mean, that's absolutely horrendous. I mean, how family-wise, I when mean, you see your dad saying, you know, this will make you stronger, I suppose to a degree it will, or maybe it'll toughen you, make you more worldly wise, but the scars of that must be long-lasting. Like yeah. the type of thing. If I can think... I remember. So this would have been nine. Sorry, not the year two thousand. Right. So I would have been nine. Mm-hmm. Went back to school after Christmas, and my gran had got me this beige jacket
0: right.
1: with uh, the navy blue stripes on the sleeves. Oh, nice! But, no, wait, There wasn't <laughs> three stripes, as with oh. as would uh, as would signify Adidas. There was four stripes, and. Uh, <laughs> my mum made me wear it and she's like you're wearing that and it's fucking it's like snowing it's the 5th of january it's piss black and i'm like listen i'm gonna just leave this jacket in the car and she's like the fuck you will like, you're wearing that? i hope my mum's listening to this and she knows what she did to me so she so i'm walking through with every step with every step my shoes gained an extra five kilos in weight because i could just feel oh, the man. weight of the world walked in i'm like right i'll just try and get it off as quickly as i can <laughs> And I'll oh never man. forget it. Wrestling
2: yourself out of it, like stuck in the arm and you know all
1: that. Like, I, won't, I won't name him, but it was a boy I went to school with who's still my pal, kind of mm-hmm. to this day. And uh, he's went, "All right, mate, how you doing? Good Christmas, blah blah blah." And he went, "So did you, did you stitch the extra or something? Like, did you sew the extra stripe on yourself or something?" <laughs> like? And I just get slagged for it for days. <laughs> And I've never forgotten it.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> right. that was like...
1: that was two thousand. That was twenty years ago, right? And uh-huh. I've never forgotten that. You vein. don't
2: know, do you? Like... But if
1: I remember that, and that's still sometimes like, <laughs> not at me. Like sometimes you're going to do something, and then you stop in your tracks, and you have a sort of Simpson-style flashback where the yeah. words are just echoing in your head, and I'll like go to step in the shower, and I'm just like a. A Vietnam veteran remembering the horrors of the war with a thousand yards stare, Mm -hmm. and I just hear the words, "Did you, did you sew the extra (laughs) stripe on yourself?" (laughs) How does a nine-year-old <laughs> come up with that part as well? Absolutely unreal.
2: It's actually amazing to be but, fair. To our, the what whole, guy
1: does. That does nobody more more brutal than uh, kids in a playground oh. as um, as our good pal Carol can can. Oh, you saved quite
2: the time. He really did. we
1: called Kareem, Kareem, and Strawberry. It's
2: insane, isn't it?
1: Like but I saw, I mean, if I if I remember the pain of that, and I don't mean mm-hmm. to trivialise my four stripes. Well, though the trauma of the four stripes is, I would argue, worse than any race. is i it. I would agree, mate. <laughs> Because that's all encompassing. So four that. striped, like, <laughs> Doesn't matter where you come from, you're wearing four stripes, you're getting hammered. No, but so that I mean that must live with you and shape your 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 view does. of the world.
2: Yeah, it does. I think it makes you certainly for me, like I remember things like like I had that weird a weird experience like when I was at school because there was these two wee guys and they were like the school casuals. Um and they basically came up to me one day, they were mixed race. And one of them, this wee guy, Lewis, was like, whatever happens, you, we've got your back. And do mm. you know that way you're a bit like, I Aye. don't fucking want you to have my back. Like, Aye. do you leave me alone? But like, that was it was kind of like that set the tone. And I remember there was mm-hmm. a few times like new people would start at the school and there would be things like, where the fuck you come from? I don't come from here. Or like, just like shitty playgroundy crap things. Mm-hmm. Or like, as I got older, often like things like dating, like, yeah. people will be like, I can't go out with you because it's too hard. Like, or, like, just, I mean, you know, just things like, oh, <laughs> a hilarious one, you look at that woman from Alabama 3, right? And I remember just being like, I don't look like her. There's no part, and this, is, mm. this seems to be the one that's bothered me the most, right, right. of all things. like And there are just so many things that, like, people will say without thinking about, right Mm -hmm. or like and aren't necessarily meant to be hurtful but I remember when I was little like being in a family it was like the only brown family in the area that we lived in Mm -hmm. right for a start invites so many things but I like to I guess the way I like to look at it is like often it was just I guess intrigue like a lot of people in Scotland ask you questions as opposed to make statements or Mm -hmm. say horrible things and they ask you stupid questions but like being in Aberdeen like I went to uni in Aberdeen and I started by the way if I ramble at any point just cut me off
1: Um, no don't worry I'll just edit all your piss only no I'm only only joking joking. (laughs) keep going
2: Um, like I remember going up and like I was in the kitchen and the two chefs like that I worked with at the time just totally silent right wouldn't speak to me and I was like what the fuck's the deal with these guys and I was about 18 and they were just really horrible to me for the first week. Like they just wouldn't even meet my eyes when I would going to pick stuff up. They would get someone else to do it. And I think...
1: So nice. <laughs> <laughs> see, <laughs> that See? That was after his Apple Watch there that's just basically summarising how horrible... How, the, how did that happen? It's
2: amazing. I think I keep pressing the button with my wrist.
1: Right. Okay. And So it
2: just records what I'm saying. Is I think I'll just it let her re-
1: do the rest of the interview. That is not nice. <laughs> just
2: leave that there. Um, but yeah, they just they were just really like mean. Is the only word mm-hmm. that really comes to mind. And I remember it was because I was like the first brown girl that they'd met. Yeah. And two weeks in, I was like, "Listen, what is your problem? Like, why will you not speak to me? What is the issue here?" And the two of them were just like. Wait a minute, like, first thing I want to know is how come do you speak like that? Right? And first of all, I was obviously like, maybe you should go back to school and fix your grammar. Like, but they couldn't understand how I had a Scottish accent mm. and they couldn't put the two things together. And as time went on, like, I just was like, do you know what? You're going to get used to me. So yeah. we need to try and work through it. And then they ended up being like quite good pals. It was very odd, but it was just.
1: I was going ignorance. to say, I was going to say is that ignorance born out of living a sheltered life, but then, you know, you can be ignorant without. This might seem really contradictory, but I feel like you could be ignorant to facts, or other people different to you without being horrible about it. Yeah, I like would you agree. can just not know, but you could still be nice
0: uh-huh. or
1: still be friendly. See what you're saying about asking questions, because often I feel like there's a clumsiness, or people are reluctant to be clumsy. So, for example. I've I've heard people. Let's just say, I do know a great example of this is Joe Hewlett. Yes. Um, Uh so Joe is uh, is of Indian heritage, and he was he wrote something the other day Mm -hmm. where he said white people, or like white Scottish people, will dance around the question of ethnicity because they don't want to insult. Whereas he said somebody said to him, "Oh, your wee boy is what part of India are you from?" Because I can tell by your wee boy's cheekbones, I've I've watched your heritage. Uh Something along those lines. And it kind of got me thinking along a certain track. So let's just say, um, what's the kind of point? (laughs) If people, often where people will say, you know, I I don't see race. I don't see colour. We're all one. And it's this sort of, I would call it sometimes well-intentioned. You don't mean bad from it. But I think, I feel like the minute that you do that, or you say, let's just say, like, your skin is darker than mine. You clearly Mm -hmm. have like a Scottish something background, which is Mm -hmm. Scottish Indian. And apologies if I'm being clumsy at any point here. But I feel like for me to say, no, I don't see colour, we're all the same. It's kind no of sense. whitewashing yeah. heritage because I think, I don't know if that's, that's what makes a society really fascinating or rich or colourful is that some people are Scots-Irish, some people are Italian, some are Polish, some are Indian, yeah. some might be Pakistani. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. I think it's when you start to discriminate based on that that we yeah. enter this this terrible territory. Do you find that people will ever just pretend not, to, they're like, what? You, yeah, yeah. What? I never even realised that you, were, you had any Indian background. You like, see
2: so like weird shit like, oh, I thought you were finished. Uh-huh. Like, it's like, no, I'm obviously not finished. I think what you're saying is so so interesting though as well. Like, see that dancing around, like, you notice it, especially like, at the level of kind of, I guess, leadership or whatever that I'm at, right? is like, mm-hmm. when you, especially when you work with people, like, you have that thing where I think people will be like, they don't want to mention it it's like the elephant in the room Aye. so the fact that i'm brown is the elephant in the room but then they'll say mad shit like oh maybe we won't go to that restaurant this is like when i first started off in pr maybe we won't go to ra- that restaurant because ariel probably no eat pork right which in itself is just like what Aye. <laughs> like, Aye. But and i would always just be like no that's muslims mate i'm not a muslim let's mm-hmm. like correct it but i do think what you're saying is It's really important to have the conversations. Mm. I would much rather somebody was clumsy and maybe like got things wrong or used the wrong terms or whatever, but still spoke about it.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think if there's a like if it's a genuine interest or people on the psychic as well, I think it's 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 quite respectful to say. I don't know if somebody's got like a an Eastern European sounding name. I wouldn't hesitate to be like, oh, where's that name Ah, from? Totally. I think sometimes people maybe mistake it for saying like. I bet you've been asked this. No, no, no. But where are you really from? <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Usually by taxi drivers, Aye, Sean. I mean, that. Pretty much always old Pakistani or Indian male taxi drivers. And a, a lot of it is because they're just like, you can't be from where you say you're from. There's no way. And I'm Aye. just like, that's where I'm from. If you mean where is my family background from, yeah. here's where it is. But I, it's like, that. where are you really from? Is really funny because it's just like, why are you just... Why you just ask me a question in like a different way? Is aye, it, like, a, unless it's like, oh, you're lying. You're not actually from there.
1: Where like, did you, aye, like. Where are your family from? What's your uh, background? What's your
2: background? Because yeah. everybody,
1: I think most people at this point in the world, the world nobody's ever, you know, like 100% English, carling, drinking, oh, burning, bread. It <laughs> doesn't really. You'd
2: probably avoid them if they are. I know. Like... It, it just
1: doesn't exist, really. Because every. You know you do these like genealogy tests and it's like actually you are eight percent here and so everybody's just um, in terms of I, was, I suppose i was going to ask about getting a wee bit older so you were saying your dad had obviously was a, in the police mm-hmm. you used to like going out know, and getting steaming and all that did you have was there a rebellious streak in it did that not even rebellious but did you want to kind of go against the grain because you've taken what would be an unconventional career route <laughs> based on what your, your dad was doing
2: like I don't I got told recently that my highest Excitement is rebellion so I don't know what that Really (laughs) says about me right but um, I definitely From the very beginning didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer i've always wanted to do the indian accent right so if i do it and anyone listening to this podcast is offended by it please know that i'm doing it in genuine like with goodness as i cannot <laughs> imagine my dad's voice any other way right? and he doesn't even really have an accent it's just my thing plus he ends up sounding russian when i do
1: well, it what did just before you, you mm-hmm. go on that? what's your dad's kind of story like did he come from uh, from kenya directly or was he is that where he grew up?
2: Yeah, so my mum and dad both were born in Kenya.
1: I had no idea that you could get Indian Kenyans.
2: I, so it was like a mass exodus at one point right, from okay. India. Basically, like my grandparents' and stuff came over on like the boats and then sent for their wives like four months later or whatever. Oh, and it was a kind of labour thing. So mm-hmm. it was like, I think at that time that was the reason. And then my parents, when they moved, it was because at that point they had dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. So they had Kenyan and in uh, India, Kenyan and British citizenship. So they had to choose at that point right. which one they wanted to keep. And Kenya wasn't very stable, mm-hmm. so uh, there was like a, pretty much the whole family just moved over here. Um, but my dad was training to be a lawyer, like when he was in uh, Kenya. Actually, I think he was like about six months off the end of his his training, mm-hmm. um, and when he moved here, he couldn't do it because Scottish law is obviously yeah. different to what he was learning, which is English law. So he ended up becoming a copper, and he did then end up like in the kind of the, when we're talking about racism, like we talk about the, the actual more dark sides of it, right? I remember like he will tell me I don't remember this, but like he, we would walk into like Crawford's, like the chip place, the, right. like the old Greg's. Right. and then um, the woman was so nice to us and we'd always be like oh darling do you want a wee like pasty or whatever blah 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 and then my dad has said to me since then you know like that same woman when I first started walking the beat would be like literally chasing me at her shop with a broom like call me a black bastard and like fucking hell. the the people in the shops who would literally just like lock the door of the shop and my dad would walk up or like just like folks spitting on him like, I'm not getting arrested by a packy bastard. That kind of really horrific.
1: That is horrendous. Like,
2: so I never had that, but he did, right? Yeah. And and I think that's, I guess that's kind of where maybe I saw that. Like, maybe I just didn't want to have a career where, I guess I wanted a career where I kind of forged my own path, even from when mm-hmm. I was younger, and I wanted to do something that, because there's a lot of weighty expectation when you're, you're Indian. A lot of Indian parents are like, We've suffered and had. I mean, my dad will be like, We had one shoe between fucking 25 hours, right? But like, <laughs> I think they had a really difficult childhood and they were yeah. poor. So they've done so much work to kind of get themselves to what was like at that point, kind of probably upper working class, like lower mm-hmm. middle class. And then bringing up their kids to be like, I've put all these opportunities out for you. And now you need to go make the most of them but you have to be a doctor or a lawyer and it's like well, i don't want to be that like yeah. that's not of interest to me so yeah definitely like see, choosing the career i chose like my family are just like
1: what the fuck do you do yeah i mean looking from the outside looking in obviously it's different generations different backgrounds even different cities and stuff mm-hmm. but you can kind of immediately recognize that there's obviously been aspiration has been a big thing and and having it develop or or basically implement this completely stoic approach to abuse, to probably Mm be passed over for opportunities, to people in the workplace just being absolutely shit to you in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, times were different and it was, I'm not saying it was acceptable, but it was accepted. Totally. it was just normal.
2: Totally. And then he did a load of work actually for like, kind of racism in the police. So he set Mm -hmm. loads of things up and became an inspector and did like, like, he went off to, uh, Belfast for a bit and secret police and whatever wow. that is called. So, like, he's done amazing, amazing things. And my mum was obviously like at home, basically bringing up two kids who had like a weird Indian culture at the weekend and like often like at the temple or like going Indian weddings or whatever. Yeah. And the rest of the time, like, all, all my mates are white. Like, I didn't have any Indian friends. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the only ones I had were at the temple. And I went to the temple purely to hang out with those kids. Yeah. So, also knowing that you, like, I would never, ever allow somebody to drop the Scottish from a Scottish Indian, because yeah, yeah. that to me is really important part of my, my kind of heritage. But a lot of people fight that, and they they almost go the other way. So I think it's like, when you're third, I think third generation is what I am, you're trying to find not only, like, what your identity is, but also then what your written life is going to be. Mm-hmm. And what you're battling with is parents who, and battling is the wrong word, they just, it's hard. They don't understand. So, my parents never went to gigs or festivals or whatever, right? Yeah. They have no idea what I do. Like My dad thinks I write stuff in the paper. <laughs> like, still will be like, oh, I saw that story about Tina Park. And I'm like, I didn't write nah, that, dad. I know it's there because I placed it. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. But, like, my cousin is an actor. And we talk about this stuff all the time, like, where he is like, My parents love me and they're so proud of me, but they genuinely do not understand what my job is.
1: It kind of puts me in mind of a Reddit thing recently, saying that people born between, I think, 1985 and 1995 are the ones who are in the middle of the old guard and the new guard. If you look at the older generation who... Don't know how to use email, or they don't completely understand social media, and it's very easy for you to scam them into getting their bank details <laughs> and all that. You just need to send a, a like a phishing a email full of like typos and put in a wee, I don't know signed the Barclays team or whatever. Just send the <laughs> joke. I know, just send the joke, and then you've got so there's others of people before technology came in. And they just remember the old way. And then you've got mm-hmm. people born, say, post-95 or post-2000 yeah. who only know living in the digital world. Oh. That group in the middle, remember, playing in the streets, no mobile phones, phone As boxes. Me. <laughs> aye, me too, and all these things. But we also, our lives are now permeated in technology, but we remember that middle ground. yeah. And it's kind of like for you, you've like a modern scottish citizen but you've got the traditions and you remember or you know of the sort of hardships and difficulties that your family have mm-hmm. gone through and you're trying to navigate both these identities and try yeah. to like cling on to both and imagine sometimes you feel like you have to compromise that indian perspective of your identity or then if you're with your family they're a bit like you're a, a wee bit too scottish for the, like a coconut and, that's uh, what i get oh, called right, okay, <laughs> yeah. coconut, oh. and it's like just. You are caught in a real a real middle mm-hmm. ground. I can, I can also, understand that. Like, it's who it. you
2: try to please, right? So like, my whole life has been a bit of a yo-yo. So like, if I'm in with my family or like with a bunch of Indian people at a wedding or whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't fit there. And then sometimes when I was growing up, if I would be like at a Scottish wedding or like, I felt like I didn't fully fit there. Mm-hmm. So like, there is that, like, probably for the last, like, I'm 41 like, for the last probably 10, 15 years, I've been on a bit of a, all right, this is who I am. Mm. But in my 20s, like, that was mental. Like, I would go to a wedding at the weekend. I'm saying weddings because that's what I always remember would be the point that I would just be like, fuck, I'm going to need to go to this and explain myself. And then somebody will be like, well, are you not married yet? Aye. And I'll be like, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening again. So I think, like, it's taken a long time to figure out who I am. Mm. And the, re- the thing that happens is that you go... I can only please myself. Yeah. And I can only figure out who I am by genuinely asking myself those questions. I think there's
1: a lesson in there for everybody because while we're talking about the specifics of your sort of ethnic identity, Mm -hmm. for what I don't know, for want of a better term, Mm -hmm. I mean, it applies to everybody in the sense that we're all thinking... What am I supposed to be doing right now? Like, what should I be doing? Where yeah. should I be? How should I have a mortgage in my mm-hmm. house? Or should I have 2.4 children in a car? And, a, you know, and should I be married? Or... And
2: should I feel guilt for I, all the things I, I don't have,
1: right? And it's like... like the only person you can please is yourself. Because when you wake up in the morning I and mean, when you go to sleep at night, it, it's you who's living your life. Yeah. And anybody, you know, we can... We've all got different things that make us happy. Some people are satisfied with one thing, somebody couldn't be more dissatisfied with that. And it's like at the end of the day, you have to be doing your own thing and forging your own path. And specifically for you, it is a tough one because it's not as if you've got footsteps to follow. No. Because you are the first of that group, that mm-hmm. generation, who are trying to find your way in the world. I think the the ultimate is are you happy? Are you enjoying yeah. what you're doing every day? If you if you can yeah. truly say that, then then you're, you're kind of you're winning um,
2: that's 100% it though isn't it and it's also like once you get a certain age if you're the first or something you probably want to well certainly weighs on my mind quite a lot is how now I now want to be able to be the visibility that I never had mm-hmm. so like as much as it's why I'm doing this right I hate doing stuff like this like but <laughs> I'm doing it because in my mind right now particularly I'm like you need to be visible so that a young Indian girl who's yeah. like grew up in Scotland or whatever, black girls like that, they can go. Oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Like that's a job that I could have, or that's a life I could have. Yeah. And somebody that looks like me is doing it because I never had that.
1: Mm-hmm. So how? So you didn't have that. How did you end up? What was your first sort of steps into the industry you work? Because it's such a right, unique yeah. job, <laughs> and there's about forty different facets, <laughs> and then within those, wee nuances of your role, there's another ten offshoots, and it's like, and then as if that's not enough, you're managing a hugely successful band. <laughs>
2: it's, of it, it's just like so. Like, where do we
1: start here? But I mean, we'll go for the the first the first steps. How did I
2: get in it? Uh, I um, it's hilarious. Actually, I was a mad wee stoner when I left uni, right? So I am um, still like just. Oh, I did art history and English was my degree and I genuinely think Sean like I didn't really learn very much and I'm all, always a bit like what is the point of a degree I still am a bit like that because I think all it really does is teach you how to live life away from home right yeah. genuinely like mm-hmm. I'm sure don't get me wrong I learned a lot and I'm, it was great but like none of it is what I use in my daily life now it just gave me a hing that I could go to people and go I've got this hing thanks how much (laughs) of that did you get great so like and I've never looked at no one's ever asked me what level I got it to so I could probably have failed and still have had a degree in inverted commas anyway that's like another conversation right but like so I went you needed art history in English came home was like contemplating life and what the world and everything else and smoked a lot of weed and then I my mum my was just like right, you and I had signed on at this point because I was just like I don't know what I was I, life. you know it's beckoning me I don't know what to do like and I ended up she like hauled me in to see her pal who was this amazing woman right she just had these like huge big jangling bracelets and this mad hair and like she swore loads and I was like 21 like I want to be you right this woman <laughs> now. And she's like, I've got this mate. She's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I, I really don't know. I didn't know that PR or publishing or marketing mm-hmm. was a career. Like yeah. when I did my careers advice at, at school, it was like, you can be a librarian. I mean, can you imagine me in a library, right? <laughs> Jesus, like, the library would get shut down. But like, I was just like, what do I do? So I went and did some work experience for a company called Benchmark. And the guy did all the PR for Hips. and a load of farmers and lawyers and um, I just I I couldn't believe that you could get paid to talk right and hang out with people Mm. I was properly like how the fuck is this a career (laughs) and honestly it was like you'd imagine Like my my eyes were just like this is amazing there's
1: about 40 PR people listening to this going fuck man I know I've absolutely (laughs) blagged so many of you I know so many of you charlatans by the way (laughs) Big respect, you know that, like, <laughs> but you have me fucking half-blagged it. Yeah, like... it's
0: the
2: dark arts, to tell you. Like, <laughs> no. honestly, it's such a dark. People like, what do you do? Like, oh, just this stuff and then, like, I manage things. You literally just move things around, like, kind of Doctor Strange. That's pretty much it. <laughs> but, like, I remember doing that, and he would take me to, like, hip Games and stuff, and I was like, this is class. Mm. Like, this is my job. You're it's living Gordon
1: like, oh, Smart's dream.
2: I I know. <laughs> he doesn't know this. I was him that. Like... And we'd just go, like, and and have a fucking brilliant time and then do a bit of work. So, anyway, the company that I then went on to work for, Bert Greener, they got in touch with a girl that worked there and said, look, we're looking for somebody to come in. She was like, I'm happy here, but there's a girl interning with us just now. Essentially, I went in, saw these two women who, like, shaped so much at the start of my career, like... Uh, Lorna and Janine, and they had worked in here, so they had all the massive brands: they had DF, the tenants, Arden Brew, mm-hmm. like all these huge Scottish brands, and they were looking to grow the team. And they had this tiny wee office in Great King Street. And for the first three months, I think that I worked for them, I literally went through piles of magazines and sticked them to bits of paper and photocopied them like that was my job. And then from there, like DF for one of my clients, mm-hmm. like I, I had a fucking wheel of a time for eight years like it was honestly like the best job like there was it was hard you uh, like uh. you worked hard right and you did lots of mad stuff and there's loads of great stories from that time like things like just like what would pop into the office and it would be like phil k would be in the office with like his car door that had fallen off like <laughs> and he, he, i remember just being like what the fuck is my life like i don't I don't understand yeah. this. Or like, I would book um, a party for FOP, right? And like, I over-invited by seven hundred people. <laughs> like, and there was just, everyone was just spilling out on the front of like Shaftesbury Avenue, and the guy was losing his mind. Like, <laughs> and I was stood steaming on this like CD rack. And um, I remember I fell off and like cut my knee and everything. And then Simon Pegg came over and was like, "Mate, like this looks terrible. We need to patch this girl up." Totally steaming. So like, it was such a great time, and I learned everything. Yeah. Like, I learned how to. Handle hard, difficult personalities. I learned how to, I guess, like just navigate the media, and and mm-hmm. I made a lot of fucking amazing friends. Yeah, and then at the end of that, I decided at one point I just decided in my mind like it's time to move on. Like you know you do. You're just like, all right, I need to do something else, and I don't do anything by half. So I was like, I'm handing in my resignation. What you're going to do? Don't know. No idea. And I ended up like doing the PR for the Chili pipers, like the Red Hot Chili oh, Peppers, like. Uh, about f- three years and then after six months of being freelance i had loads of work and i was having a great time but i was basically working through the night and then sleeping through the day right and then um, i ended up jeff emailed me and was like you want to come in for a chat and
1: That's he was my client
2: before that jeff
1: ellis of df concerts Jeff yes. f- f- ellis
2: my dad stroke boss <laughs> <laughs> my second dad stroke boss so went in and it was weird it was i didn't even really get interviewed it was just like it was like i had the job mm-hmm. when i went in and so then I went in there as head of PR, and I'm now head of marketing comms and sponsorship, and I've just kind of done loads of mad bits all along the way. That's would, a, that's uh, a nutshell, probably. A think. nutshell.
1: I mean, would you say that basically what you've 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 obviously fallen into that to a degree, but then you've realised how much you're just enjoying it? Were you just did you just throw yourself into it, and then you find that I don't know, new opportunity or internal opportunities would arise, or new contacts? Is yeah. it? I mean, what what would you? I don't know how I'm trying to frame this question. What would your advice be to somebody that's that's starting out in something like that or somebody, somebody who's thinking, right, I would like to be doing that type of work or even if they're in any type of work that they're enjoying, I mean, how did you go about it? Because it, it would seem, the way you've described it, it would seem that, oh, that just all happened for you. <laughs> but you made it happen for yourself, yeah, obviously, over time. Totally, totally. But there's obviously, there's got to be a type of approach. That's what I'd kind of like to understand.
2: I think it's like if you think about a job you love, as a roller coaster, right? is probably the best way to think about it and say yes to every single dip and slide and curve and whatever yeah. comes your way because often yeah you're right you do shape it you do make you have to make your own opportunities mm-hmm. so if you want to do something ask that's always how i've got on is like i like with jeff i'll be like i want to go on this podcast call And they would be like, are you not a promoter? I'm like, well, I want to go on it. They'll be like, right, okay, fine, we'll set it up. Mm -hmm. So no one says no to me or ever has said no to me. Thank fuck. I think because I'm genuinely, like, I want, I'm interested in that, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think advice-wise, particularly when you're young, like, do the work, you know, prove yourself, like, go out your way. I find it hard sometimes with people that come into the industry now, and maybe I'm quite old school with this, but, like, they think that it's a nine to five job and it's yeah. anything but that you know and it's like a lot of it is make contacts make connections like mm-hmm. my favorite part of the job is meeting people like you right aye, it's like definitely if, meeting new people that like i guess like enhance your life and that every time that you're going to like the amount of amazing places i've been invited or parties i've gone to like purely because i've been like oh how, how are you like aye, what aye. do you do you know um and I just think like when you do a job like this learn you learn on the job there's so much of it that you don't you can't go into it being like "Oh, I've got a a degree that allows me Mm. to do it I don't hire people with degrees as a kind of rule like if they're great and they have a degree that's fine some, right? some wee <laughs> guy who's too like... obsessed
1: with df but he went to cambridge he's like fuck mum, i told you i shouldn't have went there
2: i get honestly mate, <laughs> i get in so much trouble see at parties and stuff i'll be like oh mate like tell me why are you interested in working for df and then my team are like why have you engaged in that conversation of you guys coming in for an interview on monday i'm like all oh, right i sorry i just wanted to I, <laughs> I felt like i really liked his passion but i like when people come in and they've worked to be where they are, they've they've yeah. grafted, they've done work experience, that means a lot more to me because life experience is essentially the only thing that you need to do a job like I do. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to make decisions, you need to be able to enjoy the ride and you, you will never, ever be bored.
1: Mm. One thing I always say to people as well is like, I've said this quite a few times, nobody's really going to offer you a seat at the table. You no. have to demand it. Actually, I always say... No. If, don't wait to be offered a seat just build your own table
2: absolutely
1: and then I'm eventually people more. will say no we slide your table up here because they're off you you'll provide value or they like what you're doing or
2: do you know what you notice is like do you know um, if you, when you're a kid if you were I, I imagine you would be fairly popular as a kid right
1: i suppose maybe like, like people
2: liked you, right? aye, aye, so people like you do you know that way you're like i don't know if you test this like i used to when i was a kid be like I'm going to sit over here. I Hopefully deal. people will come over <laughs> and you would be shitting yourself, right? Because you'd be like, what if they don't come over and I'm just now like the person that sits on my own with no gang. Aye. Like, but I would always do that. Even when I was a kid, I'd be like, I, need, I guess you need to test your own resolve. Right? Absolutely. And that's with the job. It's like...
1: That's what, that's what I really like to see what you saying, handing in your resignation. I always say if you're really, conv- if you've got real conviction in what you're doing or you really want to go after it, you burn... The bridges behind oh, you 100%. so that you can't retreat because it's anybody can get a certain amount of way and go actually no this is a bit scary and daunting uh-huh. I'm just going to retreat back but if you've cut those bridges you went no no this is what I'm going to do this is what I'm going to go after eventually you will keep going until You'll you get can what you
2: what you want you, you get what you put out right Aye. so I do believe that a lot I, certainly like the older I get is like whatever vibration you're on or whatever you're putting out into the world it mm-hmm. will 100% come back to so you might take some time
1: Yeah,
0: you
2: need to be patient mm-hmm. but yeah, like be scared. Like being scared is the best thing.
1: It's what lights a fire underneath mm-hmm. you and it gets you up in the morning. It gets you working hard doing stuff. Um totally. it, obviously a lot of this can sound like very much as if because there are certain people I've heard and they just they read the secret and then they regurgitate oh, it without I mean it's again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I know mean, I've watched it, I've read it, I like it, but it it's very easy to have this type of conversation and sound as if you're just saying just regurgitating a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. that's not entirely applicable, saying, you just need to believe <laughs> and then you'll achieve. And it's like, okay, I mean, life is far more complex oh, than that, but okay. But no, I, I completely agree with, do do what you, or try to do what you love. I'm not saying like, I don't know, if you like painting, just give up your job, fuck off the mortgage and just sit and paint. <laughs> just paint. But, no, but there is a way where you can do that and it's like, do what so you enjoy. So
2: incorporate and, it, right? So and... do the thing, I've got friends who do jobs for money and they do, the thing they love at the same time. And then they find a way. So my pal, um, Jillian is a writer mm-hmm. and she's an actual writer. Now she keep, we always laugh when she says it because she's like, I can't believe I've just said that. And we're like, you're a fucking writer. Like, that's what you do.
1: Aye, if you write, you're she's a writer.
2: Literally just being commissioned by the guys that did skins to do stuff. Wow. And, and it's like, that's cheap. She literally left like a job as an MD out of a PR company. hmm to go and write and it was like shift like took that safety net right out and just flung herself out there and i think you know that's that's a good news story and you're right some people it doesn't work out for them Mm -hmm. but i think you've got to give it a shot yeah because you just never know and it's like at the moment i'm a bit like the fear comes from covid and like what's happening with the world and what's happening with our industry Mm -hmm. i'm terrified and being terrified is making me think on my feet think of things that we need to do and i yeah, I, I think you should be scared.
1: I was reading a thing about, it was Germany and somewhere else, and it was in, I think, maybe just as the Soviet era was coming to a close mm-hmm. and their economies were completely on their knees and they were at a total collapsing point and they were just forced to think outside the box. And I know that can, that might annoy people because they're like, well, mm-hmm. that's a very flippant, blase like, <laughs> thing to say, yeah. you know, about something so serious, but it's like, well... Things change, and you you have to adapt and overcome, totally. or you kind of just let it let it swallow up. I'm not saying there's not going to be casualties, that it won't be tough, that it's not regrettable, but
2: oh, these things I mean, happen in
1: life sometimes.
2: You know, Sean, it's like I always like the way I put things across. I think I'm I'm quite positive. Like, it's one apparently one mm-hmm. of my key strengths, <laughs> but like <laughs> I've been tested for positivity. <laughs> and um, but I do think that you know you don't talk about the times where things were really shite, and you don't talk about the times that. Like, I mean, things have often been shite, like, and overcoming them, you you almost kind of go, all right, I've I've put that in a box, or I've, like, overcome that, so I'm at the top of the hill now, and it's fine. But, like, there are often times I'm reminded of, like, how difficult it's been. Like, I'm a woman.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm a brown woman. It's not easy to be in a Scottish music industry where nobody looks like you and does, like, the thing that you do. And also like i'm a woman in a man's world Mm
0: -hmm. which
2: is what music the music industry still is so navigating that is hard um but also there's been times where i've done shit and totally fucked up Mm -hmm. like so many times where i've spent money and like just been like oh my god like oh my god like i can't believe and you know that way you're like i'm gonna get sacked i joke about it every week i'm like he is going to sack me. This week is the week, right? Are you getting, like,
1: <laughs> clowns in on unicycles or stuff? To, like, <laughs> what, what are you spending I got, the money on? I'll tell you what we did, dude,
2: We did this. You know the fucking Thistle from uh, the Commonwealth Games? Yeah. Clyde. Clyde, yeah. So we resurrected Clyde for Transmit. Like, go with me here, right? My whole thing is, like, have the courage to fail. <laughs> and we look up online. You know, I'll send you a link. But, like, we got Clyde out of retirement to advertise that there was going to be a phenomenal big event happening in the city again. Right. And in essence, like, me and the creative guys that we worked with who are two of my favourite people, right? I don't know if you know them, Jordan and Ian at Studio Something.
1: Aye, aye.
2: Right? So, like, we were so obsessed with this idea. Well, like, it's going to be amazing. Like, right, let's get it done. And, and everyone was just like, you're insane. Like, you're not going to get the permission to get that fucking thistle
0: to come and <laughs> yes. shoot
2: a film for a transmit. And we did. But what happened is it was so late because by the time we got the permission to do it, the idea was almost dropping just before the festival. Aye. So we didn't really need to do it. And also, like, all the hoops you need to jump through to make it work, like, reduced and, I guess, diluted the script. But honestly, see, when I watch that, I feel equal parts pain and joy. <laughs> and I'm just like, I cost, like, so much money. But I think that's a good thing about having a boss. Like, I do, like, yeah. I can sell them stuff. And he will let me do it.
1: I I mean, I feel like if 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 the idea to put a music festival in Glasgow Green is there, then there is going to be flexibility with other <laughs> stuff because it's not <laughs> as if that's that's hardly playing it safe, is it? <laughs> no. I mean, when when so how long have you worked at DF?
2: I've been in house for 11 years. Right, okay. And they were my client for about nine before that.
1: Right. So even then, the whole tea in the park. Do I never went to tea in the park? Did you know? I never did. it. that just wasn't in my thing. Oh, I just, man. I know it's like, right, hold on like the world's best music acts, 20,000 people. I still to go to that. I, it's <laughs> just the whole I'm like, ah, can't be fucked for the stress. And then I'd watch it in TV, <laughs> right, and go, Oh, what have I done? (laughs) I love that you find that stressful. (laughs) It's just like, seriously, sleeping in the tents and all that, and the camp wasn't for me. That just wasn't wasn't for me. Um, And to be, I mean, then for a chunk of years, I was then also living in Barcelona, so I wasn't actually there. Um support like how what are your memories of tea in the park if oh. we'll talk about the laughing teens carry on which is funny now but <laughs> even at the time i was like i say, I say funny now as if like i was it's part hilarious of, but in my mind i was like in the band when all that carry on we'll elaborate what we we're talking about <laughs> when all that carry on happened and I just was like that's a fucking disgrace he should have been fined or something <laughs>
2: yeah. mate I honestly the, like we're obviously talking about problem but I thought I was going to stab him in the eye <laughs> like and I still consider it week to week right
1: Aye. so but what like, I mean me- memories
2: are teen the pot. memories are teen the pot. I mean I, I- absolutely loved Tina Park, mm. right? Working it, particularly when it was at Bellado. Strathallam was stressful. Yeah. right? and again Why I think did it change.
1: You... Was there like mad birds or something? No, that were...
2: well there was birds at the second place. So right. there was um the first so Bellado had like and it's so mental, right? There's a, a gas and, and there's an oil pipeline. Right. Under the site.
1: Fucking yeah. And
2: the way that the licence worked is that after ten years it was essentially up for renewal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But and this is a total nutshell description, right? But the HSE, who are like the health and safety executive, were like, can I have all the people on that site when there's an oil pipeline there? Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, it had been there all of the time before that yeah. and been fine. And then when they worked out the stat behind it, this is my favorite stat ever, the likelihood of anything happening, like actually the risk, mm-hmm. was the same as a T-Rex taken at the main stage at Park, <laughs> right. So it was like there was no risk, yeah, but their model is built on consequence.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we had to find a new place to do the festival because of Red Tape. That is yeah. it in a nutshell. And Sorry. it's really sad and shit, but that's how it was. So we did, we found a beautiful new venue at Strathallan, And um, it just, for many reasons, just didn't really work. It cost a lot. And then we had a pair of fucking Osprey. Uh,
1: Just two of them. (laughs) Well there was
2: one osprey and then you have to allow them basically mate. Right. So it had to go and find its pal to mate with. I'm sure it wasn't a mate and with its pal, but I don't really know what it was doing. And then there was points where like I think one of my like memories from that time is watching some guy build like an artificial nest for to try to get the osprey to nest in a different area Mm. so that we wouldn't have to basically do as much as we had to do to kind of navigate the risk of the osprey, but when we first went to that site, we had no idea there was an osprey there. And I remember, do you know, when you're like head in your hands, shit, like <laughs> some of the things we're dealing with. We, we dealt with like bird flu, trench boot, yeah. boot and mouth disease, like I mean deaths, like you, so birds, kingfishers, she like,
1: with the birds. kitchen. you know I just been like, I don't know, like where's a rough place in Edinburgh? Pilton. Pilton, because you know, just going to Pilton and just don't know, like wear like a trench coat and a trilby hat and glasses and just find some wee guys and be like, it would be hilarious the worst,
2: that you say well, that. It, wouldn't it
1: be the worst thing if you took this air gun and just went up to Mate, this site and just shot these birds and it was nothing to do with us? You, you could have your day. alibi. I
2: earned the nickname Malcolm Tucker from Jeff because there was a day when I went in and said, seriously, what's the fine? What's the time? So <laughs> he was just like, they just shoot them. All right, Malcolm Tucker, get out! Like, but there was there was a point where I genuinely was like, surely you consider the rest of that? Like, just get some guy when they're getting a gun and like just don't do go it. And it's like it's terrible because I love wildlife and I can't believe I've just said that. We've like never seen this about it.
1: Be inventive about it.
2: But it's like the millions of pounds that that cost yeah. to navigate. And then there was like, there was like an ancient burial ground on that site. There fucking was fucking hell, really? like kingfishers, badgers, everything else. So it it just like, I guess like it just became a really difficult thing to sustain. But I mean, Tina Park was like, it was a huge part of my life for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess like the things that I remember are like so many things, but like always comes to my mind is that like we always just we all stayed in a hotel, so like it'd be like you'd have an hour sleep see
1: that would be sensational if you've got the hotel to go back to
2: amazing like i was like i'm never ever gonna camp right but it was just you would get back most of us would party so like you would probably in the seven days you were up there like have maybe four hours of sleep Mm. in between that time but you were functioning so again like stamina some somehow becomes a thing you learn from that and like i remember like Getting, like I fell over like, I fall, up. I'm really clumsy <laughs> And then um, I fell at Teen part one year And I fell like pretty much Before the gates opened every year I was the first person in the hospital tent, right <laughs> I'd be like, go patch this up, fix this So I fell and I'd like, I had these pink tights on And I skated across like the, the trackway Which was like big nails in it, right So totally cut my knee And I just, I was like You know that when you're a wee bit in shock And you're like getting up And I got picked up And I was like, oh fuck man And I looked up it was Paul Weller. So Paul Weller picked me up, and instead of saying thank you, I screamed in his face and ran away from him, <laughs> right? Which would be okay if it wasn't for the year later. Like, his, my mate is his bassist. And I went in to see him, like, see Andy. He was ''Ah, like, oh, how are you doing, mate?'' And Paul Weller came over. How's your knee? I <laughs> was just that. This is remember. the worst day of my life. So I don't have like cool showbiz stories. Really, I just have things just that, that I've done that are t- that stupid. That time you
1: embarrassed yourself in front of Paul Weller. <laughs> I suppose we should tell then the Laughing Tens story. I'll let you. We'll keep it slightly brief, but you can tell basically what happened and we will discuss also. you're the manager. I have managed the the Laughing Tens, the phenomenal <laughs> Scottish band. But tell us what happened. Uh,
2: so Jimmy, our drummer went up on this fucking bus of absolute banjoed kids that goes up from which <laughs> they, every year the band and I were like absolutely no way are you going on that bus and off I went, got in the bus and it was all in the agreement that it wouldn't be a mad rad right? and at this point I wasn't even managing them so I was doing their PR we mm-hmm. didn't quite got to that lovely girlfriend boyfriend stage of the relationship <laughs> to be asked out and uh, I remember just being like right. And, and Kerry was like I don't think you should do this man and I was like It'll be fine. Like he's not an idiot, obviously not knowing Jamie at this point, right? <laughs> um, and he, he went up. He got totally wrecked. He got found with like speed and I think something else in his pocket. Get turfed out. And at this point, I get a call from the box office to say there's a guy here looking for you, Jamie Keenan. And I was like, what? Why? Why is he there? And at the same time, I'm getting radioed by the artist liaison guys to mm-hmm. say your guy's just been chucked out the festival like what do you want to do here and they were a bit of headline the BBC introducing stage and I remember I was just like and it's that way where you're like you're in between the role you do and my job was like at this point I was like heading up crisis comms (laughs) (laughs) so you're just like seriously like is this what I've signed up for and then I went to the box office and honestly Sean like he was there and he was like his eyes were pointing in different directions one's going to show up the other's come back with a change (laughs) He just kept going, man, I love you. And I just want to play at the weekend. And like, and I was like, I am going to snap your neck. And I remember I was just like, go home, go home. Don't speak to anybody. Get yourself home. We'll figure it out. And I was on the phone to care. Anyway, long story short, there was chat about police escorts and everything else. And I'm not even sure if the boys know this. So this will be fun if they listen to it. But like, I was offered basically, we could bring him in and then he has to leave or you get somebody else and i was like it needs to learn a fucking lesson Hmm. so i told them they need to get another drummer and always in the back of my head was like if it doesn't work then there's another option Mm -hmm. but i cannot be in the job i'm in and like what's the words when you go against the thing what's that word like i um, suppose being contradict Uh right the thing that I'm telling everyone else they can't do. Yeah. So you can't be in a position where you tell people they can't do something and then do it yourself. Yeah, I'm a total, like, I do not like hypocrites and I can't be one. So I was like, hey, you just need to get a new drummer. So I got a drummer. I got an amazing guy called Ian Stewart who literally just learned to set. Like, he's, like, the world's best drummer rank. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they went ahead and they did it. But um, I remember Jamie was just Facebook messaging me all the way through like the weekend just being like oh, i'm sorry Ari, i love you i love the band and i could tell like, it's the first and only time i've ever known the guy to be like i mean it was proper crying yeah. like it was awful but i think he learned a pretty heavy lesson from mm. it i should have learned a lesson which <laughs> <laughs> should have been don't manage that
0: bad. <laughs> like, but you failed to learn it
2: still to learn it um and then yeah, they went on, they did the set, and then we had a big like mediation meeting with them at the Tiki bar, me and mm-hmm. Kerr. And basically just that. And I was like, You, you cannot behave like that. You can not do that ever again. And then two weeks later, like I had an inflated ball and had to go to hospital and couldn't drink for another like six months or something, so you know. Like,
1: but I suppose you want to change them for the, the fun and the enjoyment. How's that been though? Because that's obviously an extra thing to be taken on.
2: It's it's been so much fun. Fun, like they are. When I first started managing them, they were younger mm-hmm. and then um, they were definitely wilder. They've definitely calmed down a wee bit <laughs> slightly. I less suppose mental. you kind
1: of want to temper that a wee bit because you don't want to lose that streak of madness. Or... No,
2: and they've still definitely got it. <laughs> um, but they just, you know, they're like the world's best wee guys. Like they, they're they so talented. They've been kicked about a lot. Like mm. I remember even when I took them on, it was like taking on like wee puppies that had just had like a pure kicking and, and i remember thinking like i can't believe how resilient you are and also like they're the best live band i've seen ever like
1: hi so i've not seen them live and i was coming to the thing in uh what's up what was the place thing, where, where was the, the location But give me a g
2: a royal highland center
1: Royal Highland Centre. No. I was due to be going to that. Always, obviously, it's, I, Obviously, it's been cancelled. gutted about that. But everybody I've spoken to that's seen them live. On, not just, seen them live. I know neither can I. To be honest, because um, right now, my, well, for quite a while, they're my go-to in the gym because it's just so like, fast-paced oh, and heavy going. No, I can't wait till I can eventually get to to go and see them in terms of music as well. And taking on other things, mm. one thing I'm really interested in because we've spoken about the sort of male-dominated world of of music and mm-hmm. the music industry but even DJing now I'm really <laughs> interested in talking about the, the you don't think I was going to go here did you
2: no I didn't I, I, I was going to escape
1: you know, see people always say how did you know that because like, I'm a professional and I do my <laughs> research, do
2: my research. <laughs> but they're
1: pretty ugly so that was something that you started the model agency model team asked you Lee Beatty now of Wire PR okay. and Palm Scobie to DJ at a party and you were working at Bert Greener the That's PR funny. agency at that point now, talk me through that. Because first of all, I've looked at some of your track list, and I'm like, "What the fucking night!" And it sounds like, oh, it, sounds like it sounds like a house party, or just something that I would be putting on. So and- and
2: that is exactly what it is. It's like going to somebody's twenty first or thirtieth, and you don't know anyone there, but you have a good that's always what we wanted it to be and i bet
1: you every five minutes people are going no way tune man i love this
2: (laughs) (laughs) or they like they sing it and then you turn like i always used to love turning the volume down and just letting (laughs) folks sing it and be like this is the cheesiest thing i've ever done in my life
1: i mean talk me through that because so it's basically an all-female started off as an all-female dj DJ. there was
2: no there wasn't i think there was like one or two others when we started but it started literally because my mate olaf who runs a wide day's big mad guy like big viking mm-hmm. guy with mad hair like it was just like right chief uh, right come and dj and basically they were running this music industry night and they were getting like people from the industry to come and dj and they asked us we are like we can't dj he was like i'll be fine we'll show you so the first time we did it it was like one of us on each cd deck and mm-hmm. one in the middle in the mixer and i think we dj'd like that for like a year Right. See if I it, still can't DJ.
1: I, if it was me, I would have two YouTube tabs open and then when one was like, <laughs> had 10 seconds to go, I'd press play in the next <laughs> one. I'm like, fuck, that's an ad for the E-Toro with fucking Alec Baldwin. Shut up, mate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, you should start that as a new DJing way to be. Like, you would definitely I, that's smash how it. I do it.
1: I just have three going I mean, at one I've, time.
2: I was the worst DJ. We, when we started that, like, we we ended up just because we were three girls. And I think at that point, three young, like, no bad looking girls, right? Mm-hmm. Like folk were like and it was like a ginger, a lesbian, and a brown girl. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty good, <laughs> like <laughs> <to> a
1: Farman <laughs> bar some kind of joke.
2: <laughs> so like we ended up like just getting booked for loads of mad stuff. Like loads yeah. of like we get booked for like openings at restaurants, and then it was like, oh, do you want to come down and play this festival? And we were like, we can't a DJ, man, like but we said yes to everything because that's my Mm -hmm. motto in life right just fucking say yes and figure it out later and we just bumbled our way through like i would eject cds all the time it was like a pure never mind the gaps like Mm. honestly like points where we'd be really steaming and we'd just be singing like to cover the gap for the music (laughs) and moving on and stuff but it was honestly like the greatest time of my life and it was fueled by jim beam and tequila like Mm. I definitely, I'm a much calmer DJ these days. What's but... that
1: like? Because I, I don't mean to, you know how like sometimes people try and shoehorn subjects in. So if they go like, well, I've brought that up being male dominated, uh-huh. so it would seem predictable that I would say this. But I bet it's true. Like <laughs> how many times would guys come up and go like, oh, "When's the DJ coming back?" Oh,
2: dude. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, that or are you
1: watching this? Oh,
2: can you can you help me? Like, excuse me. Uh, do you know what you're doing with your equipment? Like, do you know where you plug your mixer in or All whatever? Right. And I'd be like, no, I don't think you've done that right. I'd be like, no, I definitely have done that right. And I'm just not, I'm a bit teflony. so, like, mm. I'm, like, oh, very good. But there are a couple of people in, like, that I work, I now DJ with, she'd just be like, fuck off, man. Aye. Like, but it is all the time. It's always, when's the DJ coming on? How do, you, how do you know how to do that? Or clearly you don't know how to do that. Or you'd get, like, we often in the early days, no now, to be fair, but, like, in the early days, we'd get guys just coming out of the box, like to flirt with us which was really fucking weird because you'd be like i'm trying to concentrate on this thing uh, i'm yeah. doing and it would be like you're also in my space you shouldn't be in here like or just like wild shit like any venue owner would be like all right so if you got a guy coming with your stuff he would be like no Aye. this is my stuff man like i'm just gonna and if you would start to hook up the pa right and they would just be looking at you like I remember one guy Said to me was, Don't break that
1: <laughs> I Oh really Because like, my next step Was to start Smashing it <laughs> off the floor
2: And like Again I just am a bit like Fuck off But it does It does wear you down oh. Right after it's happened A good few times And some sound guy Keeps coming up To touch your fucking levels right. it, Like And this still happens We There was a guy In the club A few months ago Like well A few months ago Before Covid everything pre-Covid okay. But like He was it had this stupid We like You can tell I didn't like him right Like he had this stupid wee light box thing And he was like oh come in and do your lights for free And we were like it's fine We'll just turn them on at the wall it'll be all right." He was like no no I've got like I can set it To all these things and we were like well if it's for free Come in and do it and it was like a big guy, right? And the DJ box is tiny, and he just kept. It was like he was standing like on top of me. Mm-hmm. But at points where I would be like, "Right, man, you can leave that now," he would just be like, "No, what you need to do is you need to play this song." What you so need that is. I can. Fuck and I was up. just like, I'm honestly limited <laughs> to remove me from the box. She was like, "You need to get out," because I was like, "I'm going to fucking kill this guy." Forgetting as well that I'm the size of like a squirrel, and he was like, I was just like, I'm going to kick fuck out this guy, like. <laughs> And it was just so annoying, but it was that really condescending. Like, mm. let me just tell you, Hen, what you should be doing, and I tell you what can make your club better, and see what you should do. See the two gay guys you've got in the cloakroom; they shouldn't really be on your cloakroom and all that. And I was just like, you need to leave. You well, get the fudge. fuck out of my club. But like people, I think it's like people just see women in dresses, right? It's, it's always it always seems to be like, oh, you've dressed up to go to a party, so mm. you can't do anything. Like, physically taxing uh, yeah. or, like, anything that actually requires any brain power. And it's such a strange... I've never understood it. It's, like, such a strange way to be that you just assume that a woman is weak or can he do
1: stuff. I kinda relate, to be honest. I don't know if that's... I grew up in a family full of women, just me and my mum. Then I was, like, my mm-hmm. grand, my auntie, my cousins, all these, like strong har- mm. not harsh but don't take any shit yeah that's what
0: so i don't mean. know
1: i don't know if i've just been molded in a certain way i'm not saying i'm perfect i like i'm the fucking <laughs> i'm the modern day incarnation of like emily and pankhurst or anything but, but i just <laughs> no, the hair is I, exactly the same i know, it's like i don't, I don't know I, I just i think I, I would i would very quickly get a writing the stones off any one of the multiple women in my family if i was to to, to behave like that you obviously you take a lot of stuff on Mm. you're doing a lot you're, you're oh, gonna be busy you're, you're 100 miles an hour you've discussed publicly and to a degree and privately as well the, the concept of like burnout and mm-hmm. taking time out to just stop probably something we could all learn from because i feel like in life there's this we have conflated being busy with being successful or being yeah. I hate this word productive mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. writing lists of even stuff as silly as uh, woke up, had toast. The wind shot up his back, and I wiped it. Um, you know, went to blah blah blah, and it's only two PM. What a productive day! Like, so I'm mate.
2: grateful for my breakfast. I like, shit. Like, don't care.
1: <laughs> but there's this, there's this. Just I don't know. Just this constant association of if you're busy, then you're doing well, mm-hmm. and it can become dangerous because you always need to be busy, or if, if you're just sitting, not doing it, and you feel a bit guilty. I mean, what's your experience of it?
2: hundred percent that's true and i think like for a long long time i was definitely a martyr like Mm. um i hope i'm not anymore it took me to get quite ill um to stop Mm -hmm. i was very much like if i can do it i'll do it and let me just do everything i mean you've said like all the shit i do right so like you have to that's just in the first half of your day as well (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's not for the rest of the week
2: <laughs> it's, it's not kind of like all oh, the other the shop I own no. but like I think that you get so lost in it but you also think you're indispensable yeah. right so the more the harder you work the more somebody will appreciate you mm. and that definitely also I think for me comes from like an an Indian family it's like a thing of like the way I would think about it now is like it's quite old paradigm so it's like you need to work hard to be successful you must work all the hours in the day or you won't achieve anything like scarcity is just the norm yeah. like struggle is the norm right that's always how I've been mm-hmm. and I think that when you're like that and you think everything and I, I would say I was definitely definitely guilty of this like where I would think like everything will fall apart if I'm not there mm-hmm. to do it right so if i if i take a holiday oh fuck the whole marketing team will fall apart they won't yeah be absolutely fine right but when you believe that there's a certain level of ego that comes with that as well and mm-hmm. there's a real balance in terms of how much ego you need to do a certain type of job and i do think you need some yeah but i've read a lot recently about ego and how it's the enemy and controlling it and how that's really important and i think it is it's like if you think you're indisposable nobody is yeah right you're knocking your pan in you're like i would be working like often 20 hour days and stuff right insane i was insane like and i completely ran myself into the ground to the point where i transmit um about two three years ago two years ago i just like i was really ill like and it turns out i now know i have Crohn's, but like i went through about five or six different ops to get to that point mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty horrific two years of like just literally lying down like yeah, yeah. and my auntie I remember who does Reiki was like that's your body literally telling you to stop mm-hmm. and I was super ill I looked terrible like I was really unhealthy and like just I just was like that's it like all of this for what like and like, what What can I actually do now and what I realised is that the team I have who are the most phenomenal people yeah, can manage without me but i need to learn to do my job better so and now it's like decision making is what i should be doing mm-hmm. and strategy and like creative ideas and stuff like but i learned how to be a person again does that make sense no it does like... it
1: completely does because i suppose you can lose a sense of your identity if your identity becomes immersed in your job mm-hmm. and what you think you should be doing I think delegation is one key thing that we could all learn. And also, Definitely. work smart, not work hard. I think oh, that's the new power, way. The power what?
2: Less, mate. Like it's like... Like,
1: work, work smart.
2: Do the things that you you really, really need to do and put your full attention into them, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. also, I think, like, I, I, I'm quite happy and open to say these things, but, like, relationships that have not worked out or, mm-hmm. um, you know, friendships, friends that I've let down in the past. like, yeah. And really beat myself up for it or, or did beat myself up for it because I was just like, I would just forget. I would just mm. be completely useless. And I was also then, by the time I was working really hard, I was like the original fucking party girl. So like, yeah. as soon as I stopped work, I would be in the pub. And it would be like tequila for everyone. Like, <laughs> I've had a banging life, but it certainly has come with it. It's like...
1: it's Yeah, it's a fine line to tread because... On one hand, I was going to say you have to enjoy life and really look after yourself, but what you've done with your work, you have completely loved. But as then, there has to be that that separation. What else do you, have? you need to rest. Another thing, and I don't mean to sound morbid, but see, if you drop dead tomorrow, as much as you're like the company and everybody loves you and adores mm-hmm. you, they'd replace you within a day. Totally, like, you'd have somebody. And I'm not saying they'd be as totally. great or ever, but somebody would be in there and take your place. And it's that. Don't don't knock your pan in and, and run yourself into the ground to the point where you can not do your job mm-hmm. has, look after yourself and, and it's not the be all That's what all. I say
2: all, like everyone that works for me with me now like swim that I'm part of like mm-hmm. the band and the band especially because like those we guys are literally like they're experiencing the highs of life that many people don't get like we all get experience a yeah. mad high on something that is like many people would be like that's not even really a job right mm-hmm but then they're coming at the crash and lows of like normal life. And it just, it's like to navigate that is, is insane. Oh yeah.
1: Sorry to interrupt. Um, I always say that um, aim for, just aim for the middle all the time. And that sounds Mm. so, it can sound so ridiculous or so weird, but the point I always make is the, the massive highs are great. Um, and they can be frequent but you're coming back down and if you place your if you think your base level of normality is that high
0: mm-hmm. then
1: you're going to crash all the so time because you always come right back down so I think when the good times come appreciate them and enjoy them and savour them but then be like this, that's
2: that's why I'm fucked because my dad always used to say reach for the stars, fall in the clouds, and I'm the <laughs> yeah, like, like, what? hell. What do you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like even when when the lows will inevitably come, mm-hmm. you'll always bounce back. I think life is a a game of peaks and troughs, and I think once you can master the that thing of, do you know what? A, like a, a quiet Tuesday night in the house or a Wednesday morning in the gym that keep it's that good. as your base level yeah. because then those ups and downs they're, they're a lot easier to manage but i suppose that comes with it's, life experience doesn't it
2: it's hilarious you say that because this this is where my life has got to now is like i love to go for a walk yeah i love to re- listen to podcasts yours especially <laughs> like you. listen to a podcast do some cooking like i've started running which is hilarious like mm-hmm. i mean i can't even run the length of myself but i've completed the couch to 5k <laughs> Excellent. um It's stuff that you just never, like, would never be in my radar. Like, I would be at some party till nine in the morning, usually, wouldn't even see the weekend. Mm. Like, and again, I'm saying all this, I'm not saying it with any regret. Like, I loved it. I had a really fucking good time. But like, you do have to have balance in your life. And I kind of say that to everyone that works with me now. is like, make sure that you look after yourself. Because I didn't, I just like, (laughs) everything said yes to everything, went full speed ahead. And then... Your body's just a bit like, right, you? I chill out. Chill out, sit in (laughs) your, lie in your arse, like, and just don't do anything. Mm -hmm. And not doing anything for, like, three months for me was, like, honestly, it was like torture, Sean. Like, I would still be trying to set up, like, a company, you know, like, oh, we do this, (laughs) do this with the management company and all that. And, like, the boys, like, doing loads of stuff with the band. And I just can't, I couldn't sit still, Mm -hmm. but I've learned how to sit still. And I think it's probably come at the right point in my life as well. Really yeah. Like my twenties and my thirties were for being wild, but now I'm definitely like, you need to you need to figure out what's important to you, and the most important thing is people. Mm-hmm. Like, and forgetting about those people because you're trying to be on this treadmill doesn't make you a better person, yeah. you know. And you lose the things that are actually really important.
1: I always say like. <sighs> Not even I don't even know from a material perspective, but I always kind of I can get really it's morbid in a sort of philosophical way. But I always relate everything to when you die, and I'm like, well, when like, you die, how do you want to be remembered, yeah. and how how do you want people to talk about it? Even now, like pure what's that film? It's a Wonderful Life. Oh my it,
2: god, my favorite. I don't know, I too, <laughs> but it's like, how
1: do you want people to, to, to look back? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be
2: remembered? Right? Yeah. What what did, did you, you give?
1: And I suppose people. That's what people remember. How you made them feel. The, the things that you said and the things that you did. Exactly. Um, not the things that they're not going to look back and go, oh well, you know, she did. She like she was just always on the move. Or, she,
2: she bought so much tequila. I, I always know, got I, tequila. That's over. not what people remember.
1: Like, I mean, not not to say don't have fun. Then I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I suppose. I it's, think,
2: do you know, like, I I kind of think I don't know whether this is what you're trying to say, but it's like just. <laughs> like oh god i don't. I know i'm trying i'm struggling forward. i like, suppose just
1: stop look about you don't always have to be advancing and moving forward no. sometimes it's nice to just stop and if stop you and slow be it
2: down, you, you realize what's important mm, i think that's the thing i would always say like i used to always take stock every like five years or whatever and be like right okay what what am i going to do next
1: yeah what is important it's and money now, and things and people not, don't what? don't <laughs> i'm really oh, joke, obviously joking <laughs> money and stuff
2: especially gold and definitely diamonds Um, but it's just no it just doesn't matter does it like and what does matter is like i guess your experiences with people and like the fun that you have like the good times you have but that you leave something like i always feel like my job is is great and it's fun but it's a bit Mm self-serving and so now like i've joined a board to swim which is like scottish women inventing music it's all about like trying to kind of um, I guess like we're looking for equality for women in mm-hmm. music And I've been doing some work as well with um, You know, kind of try to look at diversity across the business And across like the industry And that's totally where my heart is now It's yeah. like I want to do something that leaves If you're talking about what you want to be remembered for I want people to obviously be like She was a laugh, right? But mm-hmm. also be like Oh, she did that thing that made a difference for these girls that came after her mm-hmm. and hopefully if I could leave one thing it would be to be like that you made it easier for those girls to have a career that they wanted yeah like, that, that's that, it
1: that puts me in my, have you ever read um, the book by Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning? No so he, I was it him? I, it was him so basically he, god I'm talking in this I'm purely like, quoting this book too as if I'm going <laughs> to speak as like pure authoritative <laughs> subject on it but basically he was in the um he was in the Nazi concentration camps mm-hmm. during the Holocaust and lost like all of his family. I'm sure okay. he lost his wife. Mm-hmm. And then he was like a psychologist or a psychiatrist in um Vienna, I think it was. And he mm-hmm. had somebody who came to him, a guy that lost his wife. And he basically made sense of his pain and his loss by saying that because he was going on and living that. This is so fucking... I take things so dark and morbid sometimes. No, but man, I like there it. Is a point, is there is a I'm point to this. this
0: stuff.
1: So basically, the gist of it is he was saying that, okay, so he survived and he's went through the pain, but because mm-hmm. he's gone through certain pains, it means that others haven't had to because he's kind of walked that path. Yeah. So there was this guy that would come yeah. to him and he's, he would say, I cannot get over the loss of my wife. And he said, well, let's flip it around and let's imagine that it was you that died and that your wife then survived you like Mm -hmm. how would she be Mm -hmm. and he's saying oh she wouldn't cope she'd be distraught she wouldn't be able to look after herself Mm -hmm. and he said well what a beautiful thing is you've taken that burden on for her instead so that she didn't have to and the guy was and it was a really nice way to look at it and you saying that you're able to leave that sort of legacy or to forge a path so you forged a path and it's been tough and you're having like say bricks thrown at you and but with those quite literally once uh (laughs) but you're grabbing i know fucking hell but you're grabbing (laughs) those bricks and then building a foundation for other people to come and build upon so it's like that's a, a really nice way to look at it and it can make sense of some pain that you did that so that others didn't have to mm-hmm. does that make sense
2: yeah totally like it's weird it's like the mad synchronicity of what you're saying as well like i'm obsessed with this guy called mo Goddard. have you right. ever heard of no. him he wrote this book called um solve for happy He's like the ex Google X, um I was like an engineer at Google X, right, like okay. big high up and basically reached a point in his life and was just like similar to what we were talking about, right? Burnt himself out, worked super hard, was amazing. Mm. And um just was like I'm not happy, right? Like and I guess that's kind of where I was maybe two years ago. Like yeah. I was I was having a lovely time, but I don't know that I was necessarily happy.
1: You were enjoying it but not completely fulfilled, yeah. would you
2: say? And um, he talked, so his his son died when he was 28, 21, sorry. And um, there's a thing that's always stuck in my head and it's it's definitely like rules to live life by. But him and his son were playing this computer game and he was like, right, come on, right, come on onto the next level, let's get the next level. And um, his son was like, put his controller down and was like, dad, why do you need to rush through everything? And he was like, well, because you need to complete the level and then get to the next level. And his son was like, no, I just want us to play. I just want us to enjoy playing because i don't want i want to spend that time with you and he was kind of like it made him realize that as humans what we do is we just complete 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 Mm -hmm. until we die yeah and it's like so what's your end goal is like death's like the end goal you're just totally try power through everything till you get to that so i guess like that really resonated with me i was like what slow the fuck down i
1: read something the other day again along those lines and it said like don't spend your time like mourning for what you have not, because what you have now is what you wish once wished you would have. And it's like just stop for a minute and look totally about. You know, I it's good to be aspirational, it's good to look forward, but sometimes, you know, like if anybody's read um The Power of Now by Fuck, what's his oh. name again?
2: Um can Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle.
1: Mm. It's like so now and again good. now and again just stop. I don't know how I can remember his name now. Um just stop and look about and you'll actually be quite satisfied with where you are.
2: It's so important.
1: The uh, I mean you were sp- we've spoken about obviously you starting off as a wee girl thinking you were white, realizing <laughs> you would have obviously Scottish Indian um ethnic background and then having your rebellious stage kind
0: of that's working, still going.
1: Aye <laughs> uh, you see your rebellious streak coming out. Uh, working yourself into the ground, doing a million things, and then getting to a point where again you've kind of gone full circle and back to the start, and you're stopping. Mm-hmm. Obviously, quite a lot of things to look back on and reflect. If you were to speak to the younger you, maybe at fifteen or sixteen, are you a wee bit scared going into the world? What would you say to reassure yourself of how things have gone? Because I dare say you're a bit satisfied with how they've gone now. But
2: I think I would just say like you're going to have a brilliant time, but enjoy it. Like just take a bit of time out and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I definitely have. Like it is funny because I don't have I don't have regrets as such. I don't really believe in them and I never have. But mm-hmm. like I definitely think I would say to that girl, like don't don't lose faith in yourself. Cause I think I did at a point and being busy doesn't necessarily mean that you're fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely just, yeah, like Fucking enjoy the ride man. Honestly Like just Have fun don't, don't question Why you're there Or why you're not someone else I mean if you'd said to me Like two years ago "What What's next Right Because I used to be like Five years Five years Five years yeah. Here's what I'm going to be That's what I'm going to be next This the title I'm going to have I would have said to you Right Sean I'm, I'm going to be MDADF That's definitely where I'm headed Honestly That's the last thing Now that I want mm-hmm. Because I'm like I like where I am Yeah Like things are good I would like to do like a bit of coaching or something like do something that helps other people like because I guess like when you've gone and gone 100 miles an hour there's probably quite a little life experience that comes from that you can be like oh man I know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. um so I would like to do something like that but like yeah I, I, I think I've had a brilliant time I've got plenty more to come right I reckon I'm only halfway through
1: absolutely just <laughs> <Which> is terrifying <laughs> well at least for the next half you'll be far better prepared and more equipped
2: I'll be like it's sleep time now
1: (laughs) I think that's a perfect way to end it it's perfect (laughs) advice and obviously in case uh, you weren't able to work out that wee girl could also be you as well whoever you are listening I hope you've enjoyed and uh, thanks very much for your time I've loved this insight it's been such a good laugh and I'm sure we've got hours more stuff to talk about so you'll be back here soon it's
2: been fun, I really loved it
0: Leathered was written, recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine and for more information, go to thebiglight.com From The Big Light Studio.